What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross Like Music. And this is the Super Sunny Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Party people, this is Mr. V of Confessions of a Curly Mind, broadcasting through Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Right, the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Cosmic, Cosmic Radio. Twisted Soul. Futuristica Radio. You're listening to the Blue and Green podcast, and I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com. Howdy, friends. Uh, you're listening to the Blue in Green podcast, episode 71, no less. Uh, my name's Imran. Thank you very much for tuning in to the show today. Um, lots to get to grips with, actually. Lots to talk about in this opening part about, about the show today. A uh, quick reminder, firstly, the Blue in Green podcast runs in conjunction with Blue in Green Radio. So please, please, please feel free to visit us at blueandgreenradio.com. And uh, we'll, we'd love your company. Um, we uh, For today's episode, it's myself uh, connecting with Rhonda, who is, uh, all, as you guys know, based all the way in San Jose, uh, California. I'm in London, UK, and um, it's awesome. One of the things I kind of realized about sort of reconnecting with Rhonda on a topic like this is I haven't even told you the topic yet. I will momentarily. Uh, I think Rhonda and I have been doing our album thing for quite a while. And uh, we're doing our 90s celebration um, of albums over at foreverinelectricdreams.com. If you haven't checked that out, please do. Um, and uh, we've also had a couple of albums on this podcast series, uh, like Robert Glasper's Black Radio and uh, D'Angelo's Voodoo, where we've been celebrating albums that we adore and that have meant a lot to us. And I kind of realised it's been a while since we actually chopped it up about an actual... Uh, like a topic outside of that so I kind of realised halfway into the conversation that hey, this is really cool to be kind of doing this with Ronda again so hopefully we'll do, be doing more of that uh, in time to come so today's topic is um, oh, I feel like I need to put a disclaimer I don't often have to put a disclaimer but I may have to in this one uh, today we're talking about the concept of big league record labels and artists and basically the question of who who owns the music well we know who owns it but who who should own the music basically so i uh, won't sit up too much uh we obviously touch on the recent news of taylor swift um not having the opportunity to purchase her masters from uh justin bieber's manager uh, we asked the question is it current manager or he he used to be manager justin bieber but scooter braun and um he uh purchased her her masters and has now sold them on and she doesn't seem to be included in the equation of hey you do you want to buy them <laughs> because they've been sold twice now and she's not really had a look in um and I suppose, yeah, the conversation is about who, who, you know, is it wrong that the record label owns the masters to uh, something that they've paid for? Anyway, listen to the episode. It's 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 a really great what conversation. I've, I I really did enjoy it. As I say, um, the disclaimer portion is if there's anything, any factual inaccuracies or anything like that. Uh, it's it, you know sincerely apologize we've tried to convey the information that as we have it uh, as best as possible um, so if, if I mean you're more than welcome please to get in contact and, and correct us on anything that may be incorrect and also opinions are our own as well I should probably throw that one in as well not that there was anything that extreme I'm just too timid I think that's the problem 
too fearful of offending um but anyway it's a really great episode so i hope you'll check it out um quick reminder we have a uh we have two songs uh on every podcast and um ronda will pick our closing number and i get the luxury of our opening one and this is a really interesting one because i was going to pick an artist but ronda picked that artist (laughs) so i couldn't pick that artist so the immediate next thing that I thought of, and I, I listened to it again, I thought this is just so perfect. Uh, it's a great perspective to include for the conversation. It's not actually a song, basically. It's an unusual pick because it's not actually a song. This is from um, a project which DJ Jazzy Jeff put out called The Playlist. Uh, it's a few years ago now, and it's um, there's an interlude on there. I think it's track four. It's called Die Empty, and it's about two minutes... 20 seconds of primarily him talking about the project and a as a quick surmising of it it was an independent release and it was uh jazzy jeff basically recruiting an an incredible a-list cast of musicians and singers and writers and producers with the intention of in seven days to create an album and put it out for sale and that's within he wanted it to be that quick and it was basically as a kind of an nephew to uh record labels and mainstream labels about kind of about the way that things had to be done and it was him basically saying no it doesn't need to be done in the way that you dictate i won't say anymore i'll let jeff take it from here it's a very very it sets up the conversation we're, we're about you're about to hear i think pretty well um and yeah it's uh yeah i think it's a good inclusion so that's what we'll pick right now listening to the blue in green podcast episode 71 myself and um dj ronnie ron um chopping up about uh art everybody wants a guarantee everybody wants a guarantee there's songs that you have no idea how they became the biggest song in the world and there are songs that you like this is the greatest song i ever heard nobody cares about the music industry everybody wants to be second everybody wants to be second because nobody has the balls to create what's going to be first when the person does it you're the first person to say we need something like everybody wants to be second ain't nobody trying to be innovative and something that you know that's why it's the kid in the garage who sneaks out with something that becomes the big thing that everybody runs to do the same do it and be second you will never put out all of the music that you make in your lifetime so this is what you need to do sell some get the rest away die empty die empty don't die with shit creatively inside Die empty. I want to absolutely blow everybody's mind at what was created in a week. Like a big part of this is I am trying to dispel every industry rumor that has ever been there. That everybody who's worked with a record company has heard that it takes nine months and it takes this and it takes this my whole shit is take the playbook take all of this shit out you put creative people in the room and i'm gonna show you what can happen so basically what i'm trying to do is tell the industry get the fuck out of our way stop acting like you know more about what people want than we do you want to deliver the benediction (laughs) 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 if all hearts and minds are ready hey man we don't even need to offer 
guess I'm gonna to kick this off I'm gonna ask you a, a very specific very a very specific question um okay. because there's there's obviously a hundred different ways that this whole thing can go which is very which is very all of it is very very welcome uh, mm-hmm. and I think all relevant but I'm gonna ask you a very specific question in terms of to kick this off okay uh if we cast if we go back say 25 30 years uh, with for this conversation in terms of uh, let's go pre uh, independent label pre streaming and downloading culture pre uh, social media and the notion of an Instagram or YouTube overnight sensation if we go mm-hmm. way back before all, all of those sort of tangible elements that have altered the, the industry in so many different ways if we go to say just you know the big labels that were almost the only thing around at that point um, if they if they sign a young artist that you know they've discovered from a demo tape or someone that's been performing locally, if you have a, a big a big label, say Sony or Warner Brothers or Columbia, etc., if they sign an artist and uh, to a lucrative, you know, six figure contract or three album deal, etc., if they pay for they give the artist an advance if they pay for the studio time the producers the musicians the writers the promotion the campaigns that they create the nice inlay card for the cassette tape that's going to come out (laughs) you know i gotta plug the cassettes it's good Uh, absolutely it's pivotal um if if they've done all of that is it unreasonable? I'm playing devil's advocate with this question. Oh, yeah, no, no. I thought it was a good place great. to yeah. I thought it was a good yeah. place to start. Mm-hmm. Is it unreasonable that a label would subsequently own the music? What do you think? Mm, I love it. This is <laughs> I just put that whole thing right there and said boom, and then just... stepped away from me. That's good. Thank you. Emma. <laughs> Uh, it's a difficult it's okay so i'll just uh, i'll, I'll no, say no, one no. other thing if i may there's uh-huh. there is and i because i i, I, I want to say this because i want to give myself an out in certain elements of this because <laughs> okay. there is a i think this this conversation about record labels and artists and who owns the music i think that there is a great philosophical conversation to have about in terms of what i've just asked you mm-hmm. who rightfully should own the art you know in terms of who's created it versus who's paid for it there's a philosophical question to be had there but or a philosophical discussion to be had but there is also a very intricate business model uh that already exists in terms of writers and publishers and who you know legally um is allowed to claim money like from if you know if a song is played on the radio if i understand it correct it's the writer mm-hmm. and the label that gets paid not the artist unless they're listed as a writer is that correct so that's actually that's a good thing so when we talk about a master or master recording as i was studying for our conversation there's two key uh components in terms of copyright <clears throat> there's the writer who writes um the song of course. And then there is the, the, the musical component of it. 
um, the the music composition and sound, right? So everything that goes into making that recording, that performance, right? The notes, the musicians, the actual singer who sang it, right? Um, that whole little recording that happened, that becomes the master recording from which the you know um, the CD record the CDs, the cassettes, the albums, everything gets printed off of that source. And that's how we get the songs that we hear. Now, you're right. If a singer just sings, but has no copyright of the song as a writer, or as can be listed as a a musician that was part of recording it, then yes, you, you get none of that copyright. That's a strange lore, isn't it? Mm. Well, you know. <laughs> ah, so we're not going to play like yeah. Well, like mm-hmm. I guess like for Tina Turner, for example, you know, yes. one of the greatest artists of all time. As I understand it, she never wrote a word of her music. She was never something. She was never a writer. Mm-mm. So it's just the notion. Mm-hmm. I mean, so is that the case? If I hear simply the best on the radio, that she's not getting paid a penny out of that. That would be incredible if that were the case. If that were, because I've I have heard of obviously that being the situation where an artist, yeah. unless as you've defined it, unless that's correct, they've done mm-hmm. certain things that they wouldn't get paid. That's, so who, that's whoever came out, came out with that rule is incredible. That doesn't make any sense. Well, you know, <clears throat> we're not getting into that part yet, are we? So, <laughs> but yeah, we've just, yes, sorry, I've deep dived no, no, already. No. But as you explained it, yes, she wouldn't get it if she didn't write it and she didn't, she wasn't part of the actual creation of the musical composition component. Mm. No, but she would go on tour and she would get her right. money that way. Right? right. And so that's where, and, and let's, let's just take a step back. Cause even if you are the writer, even if you're the musician, as you write this, as you're signing this contract, you're only getting a portion of each of uh, the sales of your music, right? Yeah. You're, you may get five cents, two cents, a penny, 10 cents, a dollar, 50. However, that's all you're getting. So you buy yeah. the CD and you think that, oh, I spent $9 for this artist. And from that actual CD, the artist will only get a small fraction, right? So, and this is oblivious to us because all we know is, you know, I have my artists, I think I'm supporting them. And the best way to do so is, you know, when I found out this breakdown in the background is to actually see them perform live because that is where they get the bulk of Mm. the monies for, from their fans, right? right? For that specific thing. And especially since we're talking about live performance, because it's a live non-recorded performance, the artist is able to do that. If that performance is recorded and then distributed, you cannot do that function without the sign off of your record company or whoever owns your master. See, this, this is, you know, <laughs> as I go deeper and deeper down this rat hole, it just gets more and more fascinating on all of the nuances mm-hmm. that we're expecting the content creators to know as they sign these contracts. So um, 
it depends on, you know, if the artist was doing it because they're caught up in their art, are they caught up in the fame or so they just sign the deal because they think that it's, it's going to be the start of, of their ability to be creative and share with the world, whatever it is that they have artistically, they may or may not know, even if they have a great attorney explaining it to them, what the real ramifications are of the contract they just signed. So now to, to go all the way back to the, the question that you so richly shared with me, sir. (laughs) Um, Now, from a, and I, you know, I normally do not do this, so I'm going to go on the other side for the record company. If I find a talent, uh, a young, uh, or it, it doesn't have to be a young person, but typically they get you young when they get you to sign these deals, mind you. Um, <clears throat> a young talent, um, I'm taking a risk on you, right? Mm-hmm. But I yeah. think I think I could do something with you. I think the world could could use your talent. I think if we just put the right um, investment in you, you know, we we put you in the studio. We give you the talent. We get you. We we give you the distribution. We give you the exposure. You can you could take over the world and influence them with your talent. You know, you get them starry eyed, hook, line, and sinker. How, how do you turn that down? Right. But you could also flop. Right. And so I'm taking that risk up front because I don't even have your product yet. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. I see where, yeah, I put this investment in you. I want to get an opportunity to make it back. It's the, and now I'm going to switch back. Okay. Um, So I see that you want to make your money back, but it's the, in perpetuity aspect that is driving me bananas, right? That I I don't give you an opportunity to break out of this contract, right? And I know we'll get more into this as we talk about different artists in this, because what happens is you're lucky if, um, if an artist hits right out the gate, like, like we were talking about Mary J. Blige, like boom, right out, (laughs) triple platinum. How that does not happen often mm-hmm. right so what right. really happens is you get a whole bunch of artists and you're looking for the one that blows up so that you can really start recouping some of this money that you've put out behind these artists and if they're taking one two three years to give you that album you're in the hole waiting for this this album back right so i, I understand their aspect of getting their money back but the the flip side is let's say isaac hayes where it was clear that he was funding stacks, probably him and as well as Aretha Franklin, right? All these other artists that you didn't know how to sign or you signed, but they weren't producing. I can't free myself because it's my money that's financing your label. Mm-hmm. Ah. Where, where, do you, where does that line get drawn? So that that's kind of the way I, that's the best way I can stay on both sides of this. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I got. So wow. I don't know. I'll give it back to you. Well, firstly, thank you for, oh. I mean, the, the level of homework you've clearly done or just your general knowledge on it is, is incredible. So uh, awesome. I'm, I was worried. Cause I, like I said about the, 
the philosophical versus the very intricate business model. And sometimes I, I've been trying to read up on it and it's like, oh my gosh, this is getting really, really confusing as to who gets paid for what, who's entitled yeah. to what. So, uh, so yeah, brilliant. Thank you as always uh, for your uh, masterful knowledge. Um, I think it, for me, going back to that, again, that, that question of is it unreasonable that the label would own the music? I mean... I I find I don't I kind of go back and forth with it because mm-hmm. a part of me thinks if I if I were to say yes that it's fair that they own it it would be balanced out with the notion that the artist would still receive every element of compensation mm. actually owed that it mm-hmm. would have been a transaction that was completely fair to the point where the you know if the label gets mega 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 millions out of it from further licensing etc 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 and then it was balanced with the artist being compensated in an appropriate way uh, yes if uh, and so that's so if i were ever to say yeah i think it's fair it has to go hand in hand with that as opposed to well that's what you signed when you were 19 right. years old and fresh off yeah. the streets and didn't have a clue tough luck i wouldn't that's not my perspective on it so it would always be a case of um you know that yeah that that's it would have been a fair deal from from the outset and i suppose you're again that that concept of the writer i think is probably key because if you have a situation where you have an amazing talent of of a performer and a vocalist but not a writer then whatever it is that they've sung whether it's a one hit single or three hit albums in theory that wouldn't exist without the label you know in terms of the artist wouldn't have been able to come up with the the words let alone everything else so a part of me thinks well yeah they should like that is fair isn't it to an extent um so if the label is responsible for putting the artist with the writer then you can Hmm. say that right like let's say burp Bacharach and uh dion warwick oh my god that pairing fabulous right glorious um, how david absolutely does does that is that did the label do that I, I i'm let's say they did then it supports what you're saying right? right and because you've you've brought in the perspective of time because we can't look at it now and say ah oh, no we have to go back right because if you wanted to have mass distribution uh, financial support to actually create your album, which is not it was not as easy now as it as then. It was harder to do this on your own, right? It was more expensive to do it on your own. So it it really played to the record industry, to the record labels, um, um, to them to finance you because you don't have the money to do it yourself, right? Right. So you could be very talented, but the the whole startup cost to get that album made and distributed that was that was that was the 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 perk or the the reason why you went with a label versus trying to do it on your own, right? right? Um, and you know they had the inlays with let's say american bandstand or all the tv shows so that as an artist you could get you know get on the radio and talk to all the key radio stations so that you can get exposure right, so right. people could hear you right 
So, I mean, we do have to look at it that way. And very few artists knew to own their masters coming in to talk with a label so that you would really be just, you know, I've recorded everything. I just need you to do, to do distri uh, distribution. That wasn't the case, you know, for the majority of artists that we see. So, yeah. And when you think of the hundreds and thousands of artists, not all of them made it. So, but somebody had to fund it. So I agree there, but That's like, a, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. But I was just going to piggyback on what you said that, um, the, 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 the performer that's just the singer, there really wasn't that level of contribution given to them. Right. So this is where you sign that contract and now you you got to perform. You got to be out on the road. Otherwise, you're not making that yeah. money, right? And no one tells you that really up front. And even if they did, you're so starry-eyed. You're like, yeah, 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 I'll just sign it away. So um, hmm. you said a you had a really fascinating point about, obviously, if you look at record deals from again, 30 plus years ago, I imagine, mm -hmm. you know, who, who in terms of, uh, I say a nobody, I mean, somebody, an undiscovered talent, yeah. uh, you know, who the label have just discovered, you know, at what point, I mean, there's no leverage for mm -hmm. an artist in that perspective in terms of for them to have the conversation, you know, to draw up the contracts, then the artist says, oh, I want to own the masters. I mean, the label would say that you have mm -hmm. no plan B. It is this, or there isn't another option oh, for yeah. you. An artist signing with, a, with, say, Sony, Warner Brothers now, I mean, they could walk, they well, nowadays they have to walk into the situation with thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of social media followers. So I feel like there's more leverage for them now because obviously our labels kind of want artists to do the work and yeah. i think they almost look for people who already have an existing following but i think conversely that gives them more leverage now you know it's like because you can make it happen for yourself on Bandcamp, and if you can create that following and you've done that legwork i feel like you if you have a conversation with that major label you can now you can now say well this is what i actually want and I've done that based on all of my years of, of grafting to make it happen. I can now see the business a little clearer than someone could 30 years ago. See it a little clearer. And then with technology, it's made it the exposure, which wasn't there. Right. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, like you can, some of this stuff people can do on their computer at their home and, and give a, a near, you know, wave quality production, right? Which was, like I said, these things weren't available, let's say 30 years ago, 40, 50 years ago. So it's a, it's a different um, ball game in certain aspects, right? Um, because see, even if you're doing independent, you still got to do the legwork and, and it sounds yeah. easy till, unless you get lucky and you, you get, you do something on TikTok or, YouTube and it goes viral and you can catch it, but you still have to build those, those followers. And, um, sometimes I, I would say most often that's not an overnight thing. So for artists, you have to really want to do the thing you're doing 
um, because it's, you know, we all think of a person as an overnight success, but without knowing how many years it took yeah. to become that overnight success. So, you know, you just have to have realistic goals and, and be in it for the love ultimately in some regards. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, speaking of which, that's probably a good point to jump to our kind of the story that kicked this, this whole, this whole episode off the, yeah. uh, uh, Taylor Swift uh, catalog, mm-hmm. which <laughs> has gone for an incredible sum of money, um, yeah. courtesy of Scooter Braun. Now, this is mm. Justin. Was it Justin Bieber's former manager or current manager? I don't know if he's his current. Um, I should have done the research on that um, because <laughs> I, I think that what Scooter wanted was the opportunity to be like a successful uh, label producer or a label owner let's put it like that right like you have like this cachet of artists and talent at you know under him right um so you know oh this is this (laughs) you know because i i wasn't i'll be honest i wasn't following this at the beginning so this this kind of blew up and then i started paying attention to it because it you know crossed uh, my path. Um, but so it, when you're looking at Taylor Swift, just a quick, you know, summary, uh, cause you know, she started when she was a teenager, right? Again, you yeah. got a young talent, right? And, you know, she was, you know, out there trying to get known and, and get someone to pick her up. So when big machine did that, um, and it's a six record, six album deal, right? And, you know, and you're right. This is, I think he, she was like one of his first artists to be signed to his label because he was leaving DreamWorks and he started his own label. Right. Uh, Bruschetta uh, did, Scott Bruschetta. So you have this artist, you take a, a, take a risk on her because she's young and boom, she blows up, right? And she's this big big artist and in the contract there is no um no section no opportunity for her to buy her masters even though she repeatedly asks for that right now she's the writer and co-writer yeah. of of her song so we we so she has one of the components of the master recordings so <clears throat> now now we get to the fun part because even though she's this great star and pulling in money for Big Machine, something goes wrong because he he has to sell the label. Now, we we have no idea why that has to happen, but but this happens, right? Where labels have all these artists and then they mismanage some things and now they have to sell themselves. Mm-hmm. What I don't understand is I do understand what he did, you know, cause she asked again to buy her masters at that point. Right. Because if you're going under, can I at least buy my stuff? And no, no. If I, if I let you buy your stuff, then my whole label value is worthless. Is worthless. So no, mm. I don't want to see this. Di- mm, see now. So he has to sell and he sells to scooter who Taylor does not like they don't like each other so it's it's interesting 
Now, he just bought it because he could and he knew that the value of, of her her talent. So from his perspective, this is a great cachet. I'm into this, you know, the sec, the genre of music, and this is a great artist. I don't care if I don't like her. It's, it's time to make money. That's where he's looking at it from a quote unquote mm -hmm. business perspective. She's looking at it. I don't like this guy. I don't want to have to make money for this guy. I wanted my own music back. <laughs> okay. And, and this is, this is where some of this, she could afford it. Right. Not many artists put themselves in a position where they could afford their masters, but yeah. she's one of them. Right. And so it's it's I feel sorry for her because she could actually buy them. And he's like, no, <laughs> dude, you were going under anyway. You should have just taken your money. So, you know, when you're in an investment and it's losing money, sometimes you just take the money <laughs> so you don't go completely under. But OK, so. You sell everything for $300 million to Scooter, right? And they don't get along and they're going back and forth. And because she owns the writing copyright, she's like, well, then fine. If if you're not going to let me buy them, I'm going to re-record them. And then my fans can buy my re-record, right? So when we hear these remaster terms, it's because I've re I've made a new performance off of which the recordings are going to come and you can buy that one and I will own it and you can give it to me. Right. So is that what entitles her to re-record it? The fact that she wrote or co-wrote? There was some. Or because she's the artist. No, no. I think that there was a time, uh, time element. So because she is the writer at, at a certain amount of time, and I don't know how this was put in her contract because it wasn't given to me, but she has the rights soon, you know, starting in no, this month, actually, to start re-recording her stuff. So, so, and I definitely think because Scooter was aware that she was going to start re-recording, that the value of what he had was going to drop in value, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's what pushed him selling to the... Um, who who did they? I love this. Um, I don't think that they didn't name it at that point, did they? For the, no. For the variety, they were no. unnamed a initially, and then it came out. It was Shamrock Capital or Shamrock oh, okay. Holdings, which is associated with Disney. But that's I won't go down that rabbit hole. We'll leave it alone. <laughs> um, this is so <laughs> they they I don't know why, but they told her. That you know, we we bought your we bought your recordings, right? We brought your masters, and Scooter Braun will get will will be still receiving uh, payment from your 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 work, and that set Taylor off. That was it. So, uh, I I told you this was like popcorn. You get popcorn because it's drama. It's drama. So when, <laughs> when she found out that Scooter was still going to get paid off of her, that's what pushed her. So she's definitely going to re-record her stuff because she doesn't want to pay him. She doesn't like him. So um, it's, and I, I mean, I, I, again, I actually, I saw the point of, of big machine wanting to hold it until they were going under, right? Because let's say you 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 made it big off of Taylor and you used that money to invest in other artists that didn't pay, pan out. So now you're going under. You could have cut your losses and sold the masters to her at that point. 
So I really don't understand why Scott didn't do that. That, mm, you know, he probably <laughs> not go public with that. Right. Mm. Did it so deteriorate between you two that you couldn't even just do that for her? So, you you know, <clears throat> you were going anyway. So whoever else was on your label, you know, they're done. So you, you, so you sell it, but not even to someone that Taylor would be interested in working with. You sell it to someone you know she doesn't like. See, so that's kind of foul in my eyes. Honestly, I'm like, you could have at least given her a decent label, but you didn't want to do that. So then it just caused all of this problems. It just continued. So if you're on the other side, and, you know, you can think of this like a like an athlete on a team with the owner and they sell you, they trade you to another team. Right. You didn't have any say one day you're working on this team. The next day we traded you pack up. You're going to move to this other team. Right. It's that kind of um, dynamic to this that it's, you know. It's nasty. And in some ways it's very foul. Even with Ketcha, um, I, I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Um, Keisha, Kesha, Kesha. Sorry. I think, yeah, yeah, I think Kesha. it was Kesha. 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 Yeah. It's Kesha. Where she's, her, her producer is, um, he, he could be in a scenario where he's abusing her and she wants mm. to get out of this contract and they won't let her get out. Right. So I'm just like, you know, uh, this whole industry, man, you know, Q-Tip was right. It's, they're shady. They're all shady. <laughs> I'm just, I don't get it. So, so, which comes again back to what you said. If the dynamics were better between the content owner and the content maker, where it was far more equitable and, and, and I mean, when I say equitable, not only just in monies, but just in protection, why should I go and work for somebody who's abusing me that I'm like, yeah. where are your rights for that? I don't care that I signed a contract. Do I have to go back to the person that's abusing me? Really? And that person gets to make money off of me, even if I get freed. See, that's the part where I'm like, this needs an overhaul, because if you don't, because see, right now, the record industry technology is 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 um cannibalizing it right so if you don't pick up and figure out a way to do this model differently you will find yourself out and i work in the tech sector and i've seen this happen real time just work watching companies that used to be here in the some odd mm -mm years that i've been working in this tech sector companies were big when there's when their technology was hot and they're gone when they're not. So I hope that the labels get it together. Because like this 360 deal, it's like they haven't learned. <laughs> you know, I own you in perpetuity. No. Figure out a way <laughs> to create a more equitable system with the content creators. Right? It's got to mm. change. It really does. It does. I, you know, I... I That's, suppose with the majority you know. of music as well, which we sidelined at the beginning of the conversation, but we talk about the, the Spotify generation oh. and the oh, streaming yeah. generation. So that's another, you know, um, kind of avenue where I guess the artist has 
very popularly, very famously sort of had to suffer from because mm. of, the uh, you know, an artist mm. gets, what is it? I can't even remember Point what the number zero, was. Point zero, 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 Hour later, zero, 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 zero. Minus one. Minus one. That's it. Right? And who's tracking that, honestly? So, you know. Exactly. So... So, and, but you bring up now, let's fast forward to what we're doing now, right? Because the record labels had only a certain um, avenues of distribution, which is like exploded since then, right? And where your music could be um, distributed and, and played and in the streaming, how do you set that up so that the artist, because my initial contract had nothing to do with streaming. So are we going to talk about this? Well, um, that's a, that's a, actually a, one of the most interesting things. I had no idea of it at the time, but in researching for this, there was a really fascinating scenario, which I'm surprised that there weren't like a hundred of these that that these cases that came up because mm-hmm. um, there was. I read about Dr. Dre uh, having sued uh, Death Row Records, mm. so when mm-hmm. he had left for because they didn't have the rights. This is obviously his chronic album, his infamous uh, uh, revered chronic album, which came out on the label when I guess whatever contracts he signed in the nineties didn't allow it to be sold online. They didn't have the rights to sell it online. So when they started doing that or through iTunes, Amazon, et cetera, et cetera, he, shrewdly you know having analyzed that contract uh, acknowledged that they don't have the rights to sell it online so he sued them and got a hundred percent of that money that they made from online sales now surely wouldn't this relate to cases for everything yeah musically from the 20th century like what who in the <laughs> 1980s would have signed a contract that allowed for online digital sales like no like it, it that wouldn't have existed correct right so right. surely everyone would have i'm just surprised i've never heard of hey. of that as a scenario hey. before incredible that he or whoever <laughs> spotted that like i have no idea about you know that's it's a kind of a that's a shrewd lawyer like whoever's spotted that you don't have the rights to sell it you know online and also just the fact that if you acknowledge they own the music would the fact they're not allowed to sell it however they would have wanted to it also is surprising well um so you know we have lawyer jokes until we actually need one and then you want to have a good one right (laughs) because he had a good one prince had a good one so i mean every once in a while you get a really good lawyer and they figure out a way to help you out right yeah um but you really gotta be savvy on this because if you don't you know and and i'm sure they probably tried to reckon and she tried to like redo deals so that they you know, people wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, resign this contract you signed thirty yeah, yeah. years ago just to oh, just the same to thing. Don't worry, this. just that Don't one worry. line, right there, one line change. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. we'll give you ten cents instead of twenty five or whatever. <laughs> I mean, you know, instead of five, we'll put it like that. We get, we're going to double your royalties. Just sign right here, right? That I get five. I get I get five cents. Five more cents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then they pocket everything else, and um, so. Um. Yeah, I mean, you know, you and I have had conversations about different mediums, right? Because right now it's it's mostly streaming, right? 
with mm. the advent of Spotify. Um, it's on your phone, right? You can listen to whatever you want, whenever you want it. But how much of that money is going to these artists? Probably less than when they were in CDs on the radio or whatnot, right? Um, so it's this, uh, it's, it's, it's a rat hole. Um, yeah. interesting though. It's very, very interesting. I, I, I looked forward to having this conversation just to ponder both sides of, of this discussion. Yeah. I mean, you, um, before we, uh, uh, we pressed record, you mentioned, a really brilliant uh, example. It, it takes us out of the realm of music, but mm-hmm. obviously it keeps us very much in this conversation about the current Dave Chappelle, uh, the uh, current Dave Chappelle slash Dave Chappelle show slash Netflix mm-hmm. situation, where uh, you know the contract he signed when you know he's since described that being a very uh, bad sort financial place at the time and he would have signed anything according to him mm-hmm. and it didn't uh, entitle him to subsequently receive payment for you know subsequent distribution so the netflix right. uh deal that uh, i don't think it's how, actually i don't think it was the dave Chappelle show was airing in the uk i think it was just netflix us that were airing the dave mm. Chappelle show he um went public and asked uh, very strategically because he is a Netflix guy. He has had several Netflix specials. So that mm-hmm. made this even more of a minefield uh, for him because it's been a lucrative, an incredibly lucrative uh, relationship that he has had with them. Mm-hmm. However, Netflix were not entitled to pay him or excuse me, whoever was supposed to pay him. I'm not quite sure how it would have gone. Whoever Netflix paid to air the show you know i'm not sure if it would have come from netflix or the people that they bought it from i'm not sure no see so the deal he signed was with comedy central right Right. so they so they own the masters quote unquote right right? the equivalent um and they can distribute it uh the other one we shouldn't leave out is hbo because they're streaming it too right and he went and pitched to hbo first and they turned him down and not only did they turn him down, they told him, "What? why do we need you? <laughs> because probably at that time they had um, a Chris Rock show. So why do we need another one? Anyway, oh, I, I won't go down that rabbit hole <clears throat> at this moment. <laughs> we'll save that for some future conversation. <laughs> However, um, so it's funny that now they feel the need to stream him. I guess they found a, a need for him. <laughs> so... So I'm sure that HBO is still streaming him, right? Yeah. Comedy Central. And then with Netflix. So now with Netflix, he just went to them and said, you know, I don't feel good about you doing that. And um, because of the relationship that he has with Netflix, Netflix said, yeah, we don't need to do that. Especially since, you know, we've we've forged a relationship that is mutually beneficial to us. Kind yeah. of like what we desired, we're talking about between the content creator and the content buyer and distributor, right? Mm -hmm. When you find an amicable relationship, you don't really want to, you want to keep it that way. Right. Um, And, and I think that that's kind of, if we can come to that, I think that's really what you were trying to search for. Right. 
but Comedy Central is the one that's making that money. And mm-hmm. and I'm sure they they feel that they need to recoup because he walked away from them, right, right. before the, the deal was over. But it's the equivalent of, of uh, the example you gave with Tina Turner. She was the singer. So you're, you're distributing my art and I'm not getting paid for it, right? So who comes up with that? Who, ah. who, who sets that rule? Is that, I that can't know, be a, con- yeah, that's a general broad rule, isn't it? Law, that's, that's how it works. Like who, who's come up with that? Because I do find that one amazing. You know, well, I can understand why certain writers, certain artists, um, like, uh, I do not mean to cast aspersions at mm-hmm. all. I've just, from, from what I, I've, I've read often say Mariah Carey, uh, mm-hmm. as someone who always insists on having a writer's credit on, <laughs> on oh, yeah. her songs, regardless hey, of any diva, actual contribution. It doesn't matter. She's got diva status. So, yes. <laughs> but yes, yeah, she was smart enough to put that down. Um, and, and, and to her credit, she asks for it because, I'm singing your song, and if yeah. I'm making it popular, the least you can do is send give me an op- opportunity to continue making additional yeah. residual yeah. income, right? So, brava to her on that. But this has to be back way, way, way back when these these um, this industry was forming. And I'm talking, I don't even want to la- uh, limit it just to the record industry because you could look at at uh, the film industry, right? Mm-hmm. Where the film, you know, the director doesn't own the film. You know, you got money to right. make it and then the studio owns it, right? Um, for TV, the writers have, you know, they don't own it once they, they wrote the scripts. It becomes, you know, again, the, the, the TV conglomerate that owns your show, right? So you hope you can get to syndication so that you can get residual income as they distribute your show, however they see fit. So this really becomes a bigger thing in terms of any content. Let's look at YouTube. People put stuff up on YouTube every day for free, right? And then you you build your sub- subscribers and you try and make this big thing. But um there are some people who actually turn this into a career and, but that content you put up, that's really YouTube's. So if they, they want to redistribute it or do whatever, so that you can't be on our platform, you're gone. So, and that's another, okay. Like how you get (laughs) deplatformed. I don't know. Um, But, but it's important, right? Because if, if you don't have the, the channel to distribute your, creation how do you get it out there you've got to make a deal with somebody who's going to do the distribution piece right and so um it's it's a slippery slope but it's 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 vast and like i said before in an earlier discussion about erica when she was doing her concert on youtube she had to get that cleared so that she could do her songs on youtube and even for taylor she was going to be on um, one of the award shows, I think the American Music Awards show, where they were giving her Artist of the Decade. And she, there was a time where Scooter wasn't going to let her do a medley of the songs that are under <laughs> oh my gosh. that he owns, right? Because if it was just a broadcast where it wasn't going to be recorded, she could do it. 
But because the award show would probably, it wasn't simul, simulcast, it was going to be recorded. No, I can't do that. Wow. Right? You see what I mean? This is like, this levels of this is like, blows my mind, right? Because I didn't Gosh. even think about this stuff, right? Um, and and somebody has to sit around and, and handle all of this, right? To clear up and, and, and allow an artist to, to perform and, and distribute their stuff, right? Mm. So um, I don't know. I mean, yeah. it's much easier for us to talk about it. I've come to that conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> to have, to like, live in this. So, do, yeah. do you kind of think that record labels are, you know, in in 2020 going forwards, I mean, do you, do you kind of think that they're, almost redundant i mean we've cited you know uh, scenarios from or, or sort of the idyllic uh scenario for a record label uh 30 years ago whereby mm -hmm. there weren't option b's there weren't youtubes and social media to try and you know develop your own platform there mm -hmm. weren't you know we had set content uh set media outlets you know, mm -hmm. you had your weekly, uh, I think you said American Bandstand over here. We had Top of the Pops. We had Ozone. And they were specific, you know, shows that were, like, I, I remember, like, when uh, being Soul at train. school. And, um, right. and uh, yeah, when uh, they would say on the show, or, like, on the Thursday, it was, like, Top of the Pops. And they would say, next week, uh, we are going to have the, the UK uh, debut of the new Michael Jackson oh. video. And oh, you would yeah. be like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And Gotta everyone would wait with a week with excitement and you would all watch it. And then you go to school the next day and talk about it. Right. That, that, that doesn't exist anymore. It would even mm -hmm. if they were going to say we're going to launch it tomorrow, it would leak 24 hours <laughs> before that. If it's these yeah, things no, no, aren't no, events anymore. They used no. to be events, right? Yes. But then they're not events anymore. They, mm -hmm. It's something, it's another element that the labels have absolutely no control over, bless them. And you kind of wonder, is is there real relevance for them from, from 2020 going onwards? Because uh, again, you can become an overnight sensation totally by yourself. Not easily. I'm not saying anybody can no, just I know. make it yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is where we get it. I mean, no. so this is what I was saying about technology. It gives people um, more opportunity to do more things themselves that they relied on the record industry to do for them, mm -hmm. right? But um, in terms of, like, say, distribution, um, if you want to not go the record industry route and you want to build your own, um, when you want to reach, it depends on your reach. If you, if you only want to stay local within the city or, or in your state, you can be on the road and you can do that and you can do it enough to build up your fan base that way. Right. Mm. If you want uh, mass appeal and you are savvy enough in terms of utilizing YouTube to your advantage, because see, just because you put a video on YouTube, there's millions and millions. It's like, the second largest search is YouTube. You can really? go to Google wow. itself and then you go to YouTube. But if you don't know how to put your video on YouTube to be seen, you can be lost with the masses. Yeah. So this is where the record industry still can give presence to you to expose you if you don't know how to do it yourself. So that's where it is. But, but they're going to have to revamp how they deal with technology because 
the record industry is always fighting new platforms. They never they never go to a new platform willingly. It's almost like they have to have their teeth pulled to, to go to something different, right? Yeah. If they were more open to it, I think uh, the technology would be more um, more of their friend. Don't fight it because it's going to happen. <laughs> like you said, yeah. we're going to try and we're going to wait. to No, it's already out. Get over yeah. yourself. It's out there. So you got you better get a hold of it. If it's right? digital, it's out there. You it's cannot out there. control it. It's Whether true. it's an album, a single, it just it's out. It's, it's out gone. there. It's totally. Um, we don't really do we kind of use music videos, but not the way we used to do it because Absolutely, like MTV yeah. is gone. So you could use YouTube to create your own videos and hopefully it's done in a more affordable fashion so you can get, you know, you can complement your your song with the video and then you can use your page to have merch and you know you can sell your merch so there are ways for the artist to do it you just have to understand that that's what's required for you to make it right and then you have to decide also as an artist what level is of success it is for you right do you want to be Michael Jackson, Prince, Madonna level, or, or can you be happy with, you know, less than that and still be comfortable, right? Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, we left out Michael Jackson buying the Beatles. I'm right. <laughs> Paul McCartney. Yes. You pissed off about it, but I didn't know. I see, because I'm like, I actually thought there was a shrewd move by Michael at the time, right? I don't know. See, just the same thing. Did the label even give Paul McCartney an opportunity to buy it? Did he let him know so he could try and make a pitch for it? Or, mm-hmm. I don't even know how Michael knew, but Michael knew. Hey, that's a smart buy, and so that's I bought strange, it. Strange right? though, to, that's. That's not the nicest thing. Hey, I, I, I know, like, I know. And this is why, you know, they weren't happy with each other. But um, now you look at it from an investor. So that's, that's part, yeah. it's partly where I saw Scooter. But he knows that she doesn't like him, right? And, and so I'm like, but he's like, I don't care because this is a good investment. So there's, it's gray, it's gray. But yeah, he would have never, for her, it's terrible. Yeah, but for yeah, him, it's like it's, her or not. I mean, he's like, made upwards of potentially four hundred and fifty fifty million. million dollars. Yeah, 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 off of this, right? And the thing is, is why didn't the label just sell it to her? He wouldn't have yeah. been in it at all if they would have just done right by her that way, right? So this is where yeah. this whole mm, goes. And so I know Paul McCartney was mad at Michael, but did the record label even let? Paul McCartney know did they even mm-hmm. give him an opportunity to buy it probably not so it just uh, went out there and then Michael was like well if it's out there I'm not stupid I'm gonna buy the Beatles come on right yeah so it's, and I'm like wow you can buy these things so you know just like you know I was like wow yeah. um back when I heard about this so it's it's um the dynamics of this whole thing is is crazy but i i can tell you technology like i said if you don't reinvent yourself you will be cannibalized so and it's slowly happening right so they've got to figure out a way to make this work where it's beneficial to them as well as the people who actually created the content and and i think that aspect that's why i keep saying just the content creators because that goes music we're talking film we're talking books we're talking art 
you, we're talking um, athletes. So because all of these people are creators, right? How do you make that um, beneficial to both sides so that you do have a relationship that's that you can build on, right? Mm-hmm. Netflix showed him. It's like, you know, we, we value our relationship with you. I know, though, Netflix hasn't always had their their moments because they've had other artists where they haven't had so they've had issues with but in this instance they said no we value our long-term relationship with you so it's encouraging so i hope going forward um other um sectors within the industry take note and try and figure out a way to make it happen yeah it is it is Mm -hmm. difficult isn't it you kind of feel like it was greed uh oh. initially for labels but now it's mm-hmm. almost like big labels in themselves are getting so little back con- comparative comparatively to what they were getting you know 30 40 yes. years ago you know so right. and now it's almost like them They're almost fighting on. for survival exactly <laughs> right. holding on for as much as they can yeah uh, you well. know so i i mean there's no obviously no sort of sympathy attached to it in terms of an artist is being sort of shortchanged for lack, for lack of a better term you know in, in sort of every kind of context and right I, I think there are there are certain rules in place again that we've discussed about songs being played and an artist not getting anything for it I think you know those are those that, are fascinating yeah. things I'd like to look more into how that came to be and who enforces that who who's responsible for for that being the case i think i find, genuinely find it fascinating yeah um, that could be ever that was ever an idea you oh know, yeah that, we'll, they were we'll completely still, removed we'll have another conversation i mean see this 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 topic just it looks like it just spurs other stuff for us to talk yeah. about because you know um it is intriguing and and um you know the time flies. I'm telling you, this is great. Yeah, I, love this. I mean, we've awesome. we've talked with nearly an hour about artists versus labels. I know we've yeah. touched upon his name twice, <laughs> if I remember correctly. <laughs> yes, we uh, did. We did. Okay, so I knew it was going to happen, so <laughs> well, I knew I knew this one could do it. A part of me doesn't want to bring it up, yes. in as much as we've had a good conversation, <laughs> but like you know, in terms of we don't, yes. you know. Mm-hmm. But it, it's he's like the prince. The, if anyone who's completely unaware of what, who I'm referencing, it's oh, uh, prince who makes they, himself aware. In, in, who kind of brings they, himself into every conversation? How could people follow us not know at some point if we can legitimately <laughs> talk about him? We it's, will. It's, <laughs> like it's it's a conversation with yes. you know it's been it's in of itself. But you kind of feel yeah. like oh we can't not talk about say Prince and Warner Brothers. Oh, because yeah. I mean it it defined them both for so long and yes. was the template you know unfortunately for artists and labels being at odds with each other and just not being not being able to get along and find that common ground in terms of what they both they both wanted the impossible from each other right you know, prince wanted to own his masters while he was there Yes, like in the nineties, he would say, "Give me, I want to own it." And they're saying no, and he wanted to put music out whenever he wanted to put music out. And they Why said, not? "We're not recouping. We're not yes. recouping money." I think I, I had it. I read in one of their Prince biographies. It was a really interesting kind of summation of the the frustrations for both Prince and Warner Brothers that Prince would 
you know, I mean, he was so singular minded with music, you know, he would just create, create, create constantly. Mm-hmm. And he would give an album and the label like, great, we've got, we've got an album. This is exciting. So we'll plan this single and then this single, and then this single we will have the album. Then we'll do the tour. Two years later, we'll have recouped all of our money. And it normally, and then for Prince, it was almost like a few months later, he's like, here's the next album. And they're like, well, hang on, we haven't (laughs) recouped anything from everything we've paid for this album. We kind of need to, this life, you know, this life cycle for this album hasn't, has barely started. And for Prince, he's like, well, I'm I'm bored of that album. That's old. How, you know, they, they tried to give him the Paisley Park label to produce (laughs) for other people to kind of get that out of his system. Mm -mm. It wasn't enough for him. And it's that's a really difficult situation for them both to be in. Well, I think part of the dynamics is is what we kind of touched upon, right? From the old model of how you release music, mm. you know, Prince was really ahead of his time. Like on like like right yes. now, unfortunately, he's not with us. But now would be fantastic for him because he could just just stream whatever he wants now. You know, he could, and, yeah. and that would be, you know, a song a day he, he could just do. Right. Yeah. Um, so the old model of let's release one single, let's release two singles, let's release like at least three, if you could get at least three, maybe four, depending on how hot mm. the, the, the album was yeah. on release, you know, then we could gotten, you know, back our monies and we're talking studio, we're talking, uh, production we're talking distribution we're talking videos and all of this stuff all of this stuff that we did we put in yes but that that's the model and he was in the midst of that transition away from the old to the new so yeah. a lot of people didn't even understand when he was complaining why he was complaining you should be happier you signed a contract right and right all of these things that now people are starting to really understand in a way they didn't at when he was an artist why are you calling yourself the artist so all of those things right which was a clever way because if you can't pronounce my name how can you file a lawsuit against me now see see that was clever it was actually a beautiful thing once you really figured out what they smart ass attorney i tell you always have one (laughs) um you know um to to navigate through that right and so i see warner but i also see prince you just happen to have out of the hundreds of artists you have this one guy that's really on a plateau on his own in terms of creativity. Yeah. Um, and, and they didn't know how to handle him. He didn't know how to really get out of dealing with Warner. Right. So they're going to butt heads. And so that, um, I just think of all the music he could have created had they had a better relationship. But I don't know that it would have changed because at that moment, the record industry wasn't ready to change. No, no, it wasn't. I mean, he, we've, you said that, um, not in relation to Prince, but you talked about, you know, that notion of having to sort of, uh, evolve and, um, for, I mean, on one hand, Prince did this as one of the biggest artists of his generation, but, you know, how he pioneered being the independent artist and what he did 
to get his music out there. He was an absolute pioneer of the internet. You know, pre-iTunes, he was selling his music online. Even before that with MPG Music Club, he was doing it. His, you know, you buy directly from him. Uh, he had um, he, he's had a number of websites that he put up to try and sell his music. A lot of them short lived for whatever reasons, but he, um, you know, he sold albums through concert tickets. He sold yes. them through books. He sold them, you know, in in a, such an extensive variety of ways. You know, as a as a independent artist, he, you know, I, 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 it didn't used to be. I feel like his efforts now have, have been a little bit overlooked in that regard. But right. and as I say, he did do it as already being one of the biggest artists in the world. So, um, it you know would have made his starting point a lot easier than yes, a nineteen-year-old yes, right. starting now. That you know, so correct. um, correct. but it's it is incredible what he did to kind of continue by himself you know he didn't go back to a major label i think for a couple of albums um what was it he went to was it universal i think for yeah I think to do musicology or um i have to go back i it was yeah i think yeah i think, I think or they for like now. a one album deal or something like that but everything he did otherwise from uh planet earth to the lotus flower triple disc that he put out you know it was all him and it's incredible you know, what he kind of did to sort of buck that major label trend. Right. And um, I think it it was a little easier for him because he was known. Right. Yeah. So many of these artists aren't known. Right. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of talent that never crosses our paths because we don't get the exposure. Yeah. So and that and that's where I do have to remember that, you know, 50 years ago, if you wanted that exposure, it had to exclusively come via the model that the record industry had put forth. Right. In terms yeah, of having exactly. connections for um, getting on the radio, getting on TV, going on the road, you know, all of that. There was this whole machine of how things used to be. And so some of that, not everything um, is easy to do on your own. Some of it is still, you know, handled a little easier from mm-hmm. the labels. However, more of it and more of it is coming to the artist side of the table. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know if we're going to have this big mega star that we used to have, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, the idea of having. Uh, a Michael Jackson or a Prince or a Madonna, you know, a, a, a you know worldwide sensation like that. Sure. You know, I I don't know, you know, and I know Taylor's big, but you know, <clears throat> I don't know where she would be listed on these this list of megastars. Yeah, uh, a Whitney Houston or a Janet Jackson. You know what I'm saying? There's there's Absolutely, levels yeah. to these artists and. Um, I don't know if artists want that. So, because if you don't want that, that makes it, you know, a lot easier. But if you desired that, I don't know if you get that without a label still. I don't know that you can be completely independent and get that out the gate. That takes a yeah. lot of work. Um, That's a great hey, point. Yeah. Who knows? You know, I might log on to YouTube tonight and psh, somebody goes viral. Who knows? So, you yeah. know, on, <laughs> I don't know. But. I mean, even that, that, you know, even that short lived, right. The way we consume uh, what's trending comes and goes so quick. So 
you know, that's a little odd too, right? You're hot today, but next week you're, you're not trending anymore. So are you not hot anymore? I don't know. That's another conversation. I don't know. It does become incredibly fickle, doesn't it? Yeah. Consumes uh, fast. So, yeah. So, oh, I don't know. I guess mm-hmm. we, we've solved it. We've done it. <laughs> it's the, done. It's... 40, 42. The answer to everything is 42. <laughs> so I guess we've reached that point. How do you end yes. this? How, uh, what song can you pick to surmise mm, uh, your feelings oh. and, or stance or the last mm. hour plus? <laughs> how are you going to send everyone home happy? What song are you going to pick? Send them home <laughs> happy? Mm, well, it depends <laughs> on what side of the conversation they find themselves. But yeah, for me, um, um, I, I've, I, had a, I had a Taylor Swift song at first, and, and then um, I came up with the ideal Prince song. So we're, we're going to go out with Don't Play Me. Oh, brilliant. Yes. Excellent. And I, and I thought about the titles, like, you know, when you take advantage of somebody, don't, don't play me, don't take advantage of me. And then when I thought about Dave Chappelle and his request to not watch him, you know, don't play me. Just just boycott me. Yeah. Just let me figure it out. And hopefully people don't make mo- enough money off of me. Then we can have a, a renegotiation of terms. Yeah. So that's that's my pick. I'm going with the jazz version just to, you know, oh, nice. put a little twist on it. So, yeah. <laughs>